What's going on, everybody? I'm sorry for the long hiatus for whoever cares, whoever watches this podcast, but um, not going to lie, I had to get a little recovery in there because UFC 276 kind of drained my battery a little bit there because I was looking forward to it, hyping it up a crap ton, the trilogy, and, you know, sometimes things just don't go our way. And also, sometimes the main card starts off with an eye poke that scratches a fight that gets the whole that has got the UFC whole entire UFC community like jazzed up. Every time Sean O'Malley comes into fight, you want to see him get a finish. Every time Pedro Munoz Pedro Munoz fights, he's an absolute killer. So, and then to see one of my favorite fighters not win a single round hurts. And Max is still the he's still the man. Okay, and I got to give it to Alexander Volkanovsky, but. We'll get to all these topics later, okay? But UFC 276 was solid. The prelims were good, but it was just... It wasn't all that exciting to watch all the time, okay? We had some good predictions with Andre Mooney's. Andre Mooney's is an absolute killer. I'll, I'll talk about him a little bit. I tried to put together a little bit of a fun show that will encapsulate everything that has kind of transpired and is going to happen because the Ortega versus Yair fight card is... I'm, I'm really pumped for that one, but I'm not going to get too excited, okay, because uh, last time I got too excited for a fight card on UFC 276, I got disappointed, but I guess some of the things that I want to start out with are the fact that I don't want to go back too far. It sucks really bad, but can we just can we quickly go over the three people that I just thought really impressed, okay? Uh, four people, actually, all right? Ian Gary, absolute killer, making huge strides. I was wrong to think that Gabe Green could take him out, okay? But Ian Gary, so he was, as he posted on his Instagram, he was in absolute flow state. He did he did eat a couple big shots from Gabe Green. Gabe Green just such a big physical presence. But Ian Gary, he's becoming my I'm becoming to I've started to like him more and more. Just like with his counterpart, Conor McGregor, the other Irishman. Didn't really like Conor McGregor all at first, but kind of and, and same with Michael Chandler. He kind of just after putting on good performance after good performance, it kind of j- he grows on you a little bit. And then, so yeah, Ian Gary, absolute killer. And obviously, Jalen Turner, that also is a big contributor into what ruined the party for me. I love Jalen Turner. I love the run that he's on or whatever, but I just expected a lot more than 40 seconds of a fight there. Okay. I expected him to go, I expected Brad Riddell to go longer than one round. For It was, what was it, 45 seconds. And so that, that, kind of just lifted it into the main card because it was that's all on Jalen Turner. He's an absolute killer. Ended Brad Riddell really quick. But yeah. And then Bob, Bob, Brian Barbarita though, absolute killer. He's him and Robbie Lawler threw freaking down. That's gonna go down as one of my favorite fights of the entire year. Brian Barbarina. Brian Barbarina, he just puts on my favorite fights. Him versus Jason Witt was insane. Him versus Robbie Lawler, obviously incredible. He, Brian Barbarina threw absolute video game numbers. What do you have? Like almost 200 strikes thrown after like the first round. His his combinations are absolutely endless. It seemed like he was throwing punches for the entire first round. Um, he's a killer. Alex Pereira was not expecting that. We're just doing a quick rundown of UFC 276, I guess. And Alexander Volkanovski didn't expect him to win all five rounds against uh, Maxi and Jared Cannonier. Did surprisingly well against Israel Adesanya. I was expecting Jared to maybe land a big shot or something, shake up the world a little bit. But Israel, he did his thing, okay? And, um, yeah, those those are the main, uh, main things that I really want to talk about here. But, like, Andre Mooney's, that was the kind of the main prediction. I said, watch out for Andre Mooney's. And... He did exactly that. He took care of Uriah Hall, made Uriah Hall 
basically want to quit after the first round because he seemed absolutely exhausted. And Andre was looking for that submission. He couldn't get it. But I wanted to I, uh, add it to my list of things. I do want to talk about what's next for Andre Mooney's because it's really looking like my prediction for him is right because everything is all jacked up now. Was Sean Strickland the number four middleweight in the world or whatever he was losing to an unranked cat in Alex Pere- Pereira who is probably the only man on planet Earth that can legitimately stop Israel Adesanya at 185 pounds on the feet. Uh, It's just absolutely insane that he put Sean Strickland's lights out, dude. Uh, But that just goes to show the UFC. It's kind of it's coming. It's becoming sick thing here because it's like, dude, all you got to do is long if you're putting together impressive performances like Hamza Chamayev, making your opposition look like absolute nothing, and you got dominant champions like we do now. You just skyrocket up the absolute rankings, and it's gonna make for it's gonna be really fun because they're gonna get guys. You, I I honestly got believe there's gonna be fluctuation in between um, fight promotions, and especially with the growing talent, there's gonna be big more fight promotions. I don't know. I obviously I think the UFC is gonna be up there. They're gonna be the main juice for the foreseeable future, but it's gonna be interesting to see crossover, hope potential crossover over. Um, fights between promotions and it's also going to be fun to see guys fast rising because there's going to be dudes like we've seen that just enter the ufc and obliterate their competition i.e maladino or whatever so uh yes let's get into this what do we want to talk about first should we go back to rafael faziv fight card since we already kind of went over ufc 276 i had to talk about it because there was some significant key takeaways to take from it but and we'll talk about Alexander Volkanovsky and if anybody can get on his level later. And we'll talk about my favorite champions because I've been absolutely insane. And I've been watching the Charles Oliveira because, okay. I've been, Alexander Volkanovsky and Israel Adesanya, they're so unbelievably good and exciting. But it's like, there's something about an exciting champion that just puts butts in the seats. And like, I don't know, dude. Charles Oliveira is the absolute man. And it's just... I, I almost take for granted really exciting championship fights because you forget that a lot of times when two really good guys are going after each other, because we've been really spoiled. We've had Charles Oliveira fight. We had the Glover Teixeira um, versus Kiri Prohashka fight. So you just kind of forget that sometimes when you have two really good guys, a lot of their skills kind of nullify one another, and you don't always get these firecrackers um, all the time, and you just got to level yourself a little bit. <laughs> But I guess to go to the Fazeev card, there I, I like I missed some fights, which was kind of a blessing in disguise. This is my second take at this, okay? Because my camera fell down, so I'm, I'm sorry if I repeat something. But I did catch the David Onama, the Kenny and Chekwu fight, and the um, Sayuriku Kakramana fight. And to just I guess kick off my key takeaways really quickly. And the things that I could not go without talking about is I was really pumped to see this because I'm going to take a little bit of credit here. Obviously, other people knew about these guys before they came into the UFC. But David Onama, when he came into the UFC against Mason Jones, his UFC debut on short notice, he absolutely made a fan out of me. And then who he got a knockout in his second dub. Was, was that against Gabriel Benitez? Yeah, Gabriel Benitez. And then he just, Garrett Armfield comes in here and does, I think he did fine the first round. And then David Onama ended up running away with it, but, and getting that arm triangle. Cause he's just so 
unbelievably imposing at 145 pounds. And um, I'm sorry. Why Why am I in the back of my mind? I'm trying to think of the dude. He's literally one of my favorite fighters. And I am totally spacing on his name right now. When I said Maladino, dude, what is his name, bro? Uh, you, Maladino UFC. I'm so sorry for this. Oh, Jalton Almeida. Yeah, I'm sorry. Now that I have that out of the way, freaking OCD here, dude. <laughs> it was mal. It was um, like when I was talking about uh, dudes that just rise into the UFC. It's Jalton Almeida who's an absolute killer. Like he, when he he just comes in the UFC and just obliterates all of his competition. You're gonna get more guys like that. They're like in their prime, 31. They don't waste their time, their young years. They don't waste their young part of their career developing. They just come right in the UFC and show off. But anyways, that's besides the point. David Onama, I we have to take a little bit of credit here because we had some cats that we've made videos about a long time ago, and David Onama is one of them, and he is the guy to watch out for. I don't even know what you do with him next because it seems like he gets relative. He goes into fights and gets relatively undamaged. So depending on how often he wants to fight, he can't fight whenever he wants to, obviously, because he doesn't take a lot of damage at all. He seems to control distance really well, and his grappling is insane. And when other guys try to take him down, he gets up packed up to his feet so easily. And that's just is, is what's going to separate him against other guys. It's like other dudes that are kind of one-dimensional, he can just do it all. And he's got one-punch knockout power. And he's able, he obviously just showed, he's in his last three performances, he's shown every single facet of his game he can stand up with you and bang if you want to change levels he'll get back up to his feet he can take you down and if you want to take him down if you want to take that risk he can definitely sink into submission or he'll take you down and sink in submission so he's just all around just absolutely insane but i'm going to say this right now kind of was one of the first guys to hop on that david onama hype train um we have some exciting 145ers that are going to be fighting on the ortega versus yair car but we'll talk I don't even know what you do with David Onama. But next one, swipe right. Sayudukub Kokramanov, though, against Ronnie Lawrence. Ronnie Lawrence, who has beat dudes his last fight. I, he did get clipped against Mana Martinez. But, I mean, this dude is an absolute killer. And he is, I don't want to, he, he, he is, but he's pretty much known for grappling and taking guys down and kind of destroying them. And what did Sayyidukub Kakramanov do? The dude that came into the UFC and beat Trevin Five Star Jones, who I'm pretty sure came into the UFC, and um, Trevin Jones, he knocked out an absolute stud in Mario Bautista, right? Yeah. And we saw what Mario Bautista did to, was it Brian Broom Kelleher? So I'm just saying, Sayyidukub Kakramanov, I know that I have had, there's, bantamweight 135 pound division goes down forever i mean there's so many guys there but sayuri kokramanov the way that he ha his pace was absolutely insane for that for that whole I, I don't know how many takedowns he had did he touch double digits i don't know how many takedowns he had but he kept taking down uh ronnie lawrence and it got to the point where i was like jesus christ dude he's legit ragdolling one of the most promising prospects in the division and after watching a guy like umar no fight it's like oh shit saidu kakramanov get to know this guy's name because when umar no and those guys get up to the top and especially when you have guys like aljermaine sterling why how are you gonna beat them the only way to beat them is just to have high-level grappling exchanges and just be a threat and just be strong as hell. And Sayuri Kakramanov, he's got to have some of the best conditioning because he just kept going after takedown after takedown. And when it wasn't there, and like, like legit when like technique wasn't, when a perfect takedown wasn't there for him, he, it seemed like he just 
manhandled him and got him to the ground you know and his trips were good but and then on top of all of this though he can find the target which is speaking of finding the target we'll talk about another fight later but i was just insanely impressed with saidu kakramanov and i know one other guy and i was actually looking on mma ranking uh this website mma world rankings um guess who they have lined up with one another i'm pretty sure they have is it Saidiku Kakramanov at like 39 on their rankings? These are obviously like unofficial. Yeah, they have Saidiku Kakramanov at 39. Guess who they have at 38 and who I was like, this would be an absolute banger of a fight. Javid Bashrat, my other guy that I think is the best find that we've had so far in the UFC, even though he hasn't, um, he's only fought once. Uh, in the UFC, I think Javi Bashrov versus Saidiku Kakramanov is the fight to make. There is obviously other ones. Like, I really like the Sergey Morozov fight just because they're both kind of, they're good on the feet, but they also like to change levels. But after watching Saidiku Kakramanov, I would love to see a fight against Javi Bashrov, who's a legit striker and also is good everywhere because I believe that these guys, low key, out of all outside, maybe the top 15, have some of the best, have one of the best opportunities to make some serious rise. Because after watching like Umar Nurmagomedov, like I said, these cats have all the skills. And I really, I think that this, there's two ways to think about it. It's like you get this fight and it's like, okay, whoever wins this fight, you can tell who's an absolute beast. But it's also tough because you kind of almost want to separate these two guys. It's almost like the Mataj Gamma versus Armand Sarukian kind of theory where it's like, you don't want these two guys to clash now because you don't want to knock anybody back. You can just both propel them at the same time but i really think it'd be a great matchup because it'd be a really tough test for side cube but and it'd be a really tough test it, i think it would be more i would honestly after this net last performance i'm low-key i'm almost perf- i'm almost gonna favorite side to kakramana over anybody in phases after this last performance against ronnie lawrence it was legit and that was kind of one of that was just those are my massive takeaways. And then also, we had a fight of the freaking year against Jamie Malarkey versus Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson versus Jamie Malarkey is absolute killer. The lightweight division is so great with Michael Johnson fighting the way he is right now because he's so unbelievably exciting. It doesn't matter who you match him up with. His left hand, his hand speed is unrivaled in the lightweight division. And then Jamie Malarkey, like we've talked about when we were ranking our tier list, this cat, I know it was a little bit... A sketchy decision and stuff but like I, I i could see how you could give it michael johnson one and three but also at the end you can't just even though jamie malarkey did get knocked down you can't just throw away the fact that jamie got the last say in the first round and he stunned michael johnson really badly but it's not necessarily a robbery this is one of those first where you like you look in the comments and you you, you know how you're really emotional and you're like Man, I really thought somebody won, and then you see somebody in the comments say it's not a robbery when it's this close, and it makes you really mad. I'm a, I'm actually on the other side of this argument for once in my life, and it's kind of nice, but it is what it is. Like Michael Johnson's, he's gonna be back, and he's uh, uh, people are gonna be all Loki lining up to fight him because he's a really fun style. And I guess that just kind of brings me to my next point that I kind of put on here is I have I came up with a main event. Even this isn't. This isn't my brainchild. Other people have thought of this, but I, like, I thought of it myself, but I looked it up, and other people have obviously thought of making this fight, but this is the main event that you didn't know you needed, but you definitely need in your life, and the UFC 100% needs to reward Bobby King Green for taking that fight against um, Islam Makhachev. Islam Makhachev. <laughs> and... 
the way you do it is you line him up with an another guy that likes to box, likes to scrap, likes to talk shit, and will and both of them kind of like to wrestle a little bit. So let's just go Bobby King Green versus Michael Johnson, the main event that you didn't need know you needed, but after hearing it out loud, like nobody's not gonna watch this fight. It's guaranteed 50 G's on either side. The way that these guys just swang. I mean, Michael John I mean Jamie Malarkey is the perfect dance partner for a guy like Michael Johnson, but Bobby King Green, he's gonna stay on the outside, pop his jab, but he's not afraid to get in there and move his head a little bit and just start swinging. So even though he is technical, he loves a big dance partner, and he's been really open about how he doesn't want to fight guys like Islam Akacha. If he wants a, if he wants a good fights that people are going to be tuning in, tuning into, he doesn't want to necessarily make it all the, like obviously everybody's goal is to become a champ and stuff, but sometimes you just want to take those fun fights where like Michael jo- uh, Jamie Malarkey said at the end, where you look at the other guy and you're like, this is mutual agreement, we're just going to throw down, and I think that is. That is the fight to make. I would be so pumped to see that fight. Put stick that sucker on a main card. You could even make the, like on a pay per view. You could stick that sucker on a pay per view. Um, but why do that when you could carry an entire card with Bobby King Green? Bobby is a star, and Michael Johnson is fighting out of his mind right now. So I think that is the thing to do. Um, so we kind of covered. We've got Saidukub, absolute killer. Onama, killer. Um, and yeah, Michael Johnson for Jamie Malarkey was freaking insanity uh i guess the last thing is rda versus faziv watch highlights and stuff of this fight i haven't watched the entire thing i'm gonna be honest with you right now but i kind of got the gist of it rafael's stuff and takedowns got taken he got took down like twice in the fight and he caught him it was a little bit of an early stoppage maybe but rafael seemed to hit the deck pretty hard Uh, i'm yeah rafael the deck hard it was the battle of rafael's rafael versus rafael but i was kind of sad i didn't get to talk about this just because rafa faziv is an absolute stud but i really do because of his takedown defense man he's a player he's a player 155 with this it's no doubt obviously this is captain obvious Kellen speaking here but i don't know who they're gonna match him up with next obviously a kellen got called out because kellen didn't understand that um i'm not afraid to admit when I was wrong. He, I didn't understand that Armand Sarukian and Rafael Faziv were teammates. So that obviously is not going to freaking happen anytime soon. But what could happen is Rafael Faziv versus Michael Chandler. Could you imagine that firework show? Because every th- everything everything Michael Chandler's in turned everything Michael Chandler touches turns into gold. Um, that would be a fantastic fight. Uh, and I guess since we're kind of on the topic though, like. Uh, no, we can't. We can't do this, Kellen. Kellen is absolutely obsessed with Charles Oliveira and has watched. I do literally three, two nights ago. I'm pretty sure. No. Yeah, it was like two days ago. I rewatched the Michael Chandler fight, the Dustin Poirier fight, and the Justin Gaethje fight. Nothing gets better than Charles Oliveira fighting. In the Justin Gaethje fight, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil this right now, but when I make my award show, it's going to be Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. The amount of action that transpired in about what? three or three minutes ish was more than a lot of fights have in the their entirety of 15 minutes or 25 minutes so yeah i i guess a good way to transition into this is i guess since we've been talking about volk and i'm on the topic of charles Oliveira, i guess i'm kind of interested in right now pretend like i'm talking to you right now who are your guys's favorite most exciting UFC champs right now because I was kind of on the topic of this because it's like Israel Desanya is taking a lot of sl- flack here, okay? Because he doesn't seem to be 
the same guy that we saw against the Kelvin Gaslam and like, I don't know. He just doesn't seem to be really taking the initiative to finish fights. And you know, who am I to judge? I'm not even stepping in that octagon or whatever, but it's like the last few fights kind of boring to watch. I'm just going to call it out is same with Alexander Volkanovsky. He's, but that's different. He's been so dominant. I mean, obviously Izzy has too, but they just kind of made me think about what champs get me the most excited. And I was just deciphering on number, like I was just going to do my top three and rattle yours off right now. And even if you're watching this comment on it, but like, I think number three, you got to go as weird as it is. Don't you have to go Kamara Usman? Because when you think about it at the end of the day, the man's has been finishing people and cracking guys and getting knockdowns. And that's fun. And the fights that he's been in are exciting. I mean, the way he took out Jorge Masvidal, he obviously took out Gilbert Burns. And in the way he knocked down and seems to keep Colby Covington in place and keep Colby Covington in 1B um, in terms of best welterweights in the world, I think that's pretty impressive. And then obviously, honorable mention, Francis Conor, every time he touches somebody, he goes out. But like... I don't know. I just feel like pound for pound every time Kamaru Usman goes out, it's a show. And because his boxing and his stand-up has got so good. And then number two, I'm definitely going to have to go with Hiri Prohoshka on this one. Just because he's absolutely insane on the feet and his style is so much fun to watch. And every time he gets taken down, he'll find a way back up to his feet. Obviously, like we saw in Glover, he finds submissions. And then he has knockout power and he throws spinning techniques, which is always so fun. And then number one, I always have to go Charles Oliveira right now, pound for pound, the best in the world. Most exciting pay-per-view guy. And I don't know what you do with him next, dude. I'm getting so off top here because literally three weeks behind. I'm like two weeks behind and then looking one week forward. But I, I just can't not talk about Charles Oliveira, Oliveira, especially given the fact that we saw Alexander Volkanovsky come in here and just put it on the man that I said could beat Charles Oliveira. I'm going to take that one. Take that one right on the chin, okay? Because that just ruined that whole video. Because the man that I thought could beat Charles Oliveira... Just got dismantled. So, Volk versus Charles Oliveira, what happens here? And I guess this is the topic that is very interesting to me. Okay, let's just let's just put this out there. Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, obviously have all lost. What did they try to do? And what is one thing that we have figured out? It's that power does not take out Charles Oliveira. The only way to beat him right now is a five-round grapple fest and volume. And that's why I thought Max Holloway had a good shot. Because he has the gas tank to ride with him. And I guess maybe I thought that Max could potentially stuff some takedowns, scramble back up to his feet, maybe get to some advantageous parts on the ground, but or positions on the ground. And I don't think it is out of the realm of possibility for Alexander Volkanovsky to beat Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Just given the fact that he's able to just sustain an awesome pace for five rounds and if you want to take him down, it's going to be tough because he's such a fire plug. And if you 
if he wants to take you down, he kind of has the ability. If he kind of has the ability to just because he's so strong and he trains with absolute killers like Israel Adesanya and um, Brad Riddell. So, yes, one second. My bad. Sorry. I thought someone was home. I was like, oh, my God. But, yeah. So, I think Alexander Volkanovsky is not completely out of the realm of possibility that he beats Charles Dubronx Oliveira. And... What Charles does next? Does he fight Islam Makachev? It's just going to throw a whole wrench in things if Alexander Volkanovsky because What a slap in the face. That He's going to be the absolute goat of all time. If he becomes the double champ, that's just a slap in everybody's face. Even including mine. Because I thought that there was no way he was going to get past Max again. But yeah. Um... And then I guess even to drain, I guess we're just we're just going into segues here, okay? Just perfect segues, and that's obviously Alexander Volkanovski does not feel like anybody can really challenge him at 145 pounds, and that is valid right now, especially after beating Max. But Charles Oliveira, that's a tough task, and we have two absolute killers going at it. And I saw an interesting thing: can the winner of one of these fights? Elite Frog Josh Emmett, and I think that's a completely possible thing just because of how close the Calvin Cater fight was. If Yair Rodriguez goes in there and takes off Brian Ortega's noggin with a spinning technique, give that man the next title shot because, or interim title shot with Josh Emmett, I don't care. Um, I guess if there's one dude that can land a shot to end, end Volk party, I guess it's Yair because we saw him crack Holloway with some massive blows and Max obviously has a granite chin. He's never going to go away, but I guess if there's one dude that can get the job done, it's got to be Yair. And I was, one of my segments was, can any 145ers get on Volk's level? And if there's a young enough guy to do that, I'm not going to ever count out Max Holloway. Max Holloway is always going to be in that combo, but Yair Rodriguez, he's only 29. And we saw him grow leaps and bounds in that fight. That fight was more competitive than people expected it to be against Max Holloway. And going watching the entire thing, I was like, Jesus, besides Max like controlling you controlling Yair on the ground for like a round or so, uh, it was really competitive on the feet. And if Yair can just keep it there and maybe use his jujitsu a little bit, it could just be a really interesting battle. And yeah, I don't see. I mean, obviously, we're looking. This is when we're when we're looking in the grand scheme of things. Alexander Volkanovski's he's not going to be here for much longer. I don't know. I really don't believe he's going to be here for like the Ilya Taporias and the even Christ. I don't even know if he's going to be there for a Mossar Vloyev kind of guy. Do you think that he'll be there for when those guys make it to top? Because I mean, in reality, they're only like two, maybe three fights away. Is I just don't, I think, I feel like Alexander's going to get to that point where he's just going to go, if he keeps winning, he's going to legit go Conor McGregor mode. Like, I know that's absolutely insane to say, but he's going to fight at 155. He's going to take big money fights. I don't know if he's going to be fighting these young, hungry guys, but I can't see him doing it just because he's such a freaking competitor. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he's still there because there are obviously guys that can come in there like a Arnold Allen. I don't know if Arnold Allen could beat him, but. There are some dudes that are definitely interesting tests, and I just don't know if Alex is still going to be there for when that happens. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he's the only guy at 145 that could maybe dethrone the champ, but it's not looking very promising. I, the only way to beat Alexander Volkanovsky is for him to go up and wait and have Charles beat him. 
yeah, and Charles still has to get through all those monsters. So, yeah. Um, yeah, baby. So, I guess... Let's just get into this. Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. Fight card, because there are some absolute money fights on here. And I'll just get my quick picks, okay? The main fight to watch out for, in my opinion... I know this is absolutely insanity, but you got to go Shane Burgos versus Charles Jordan because I've been waiting for Charles Jordan to fight because he was supposed to fight, uh, wasn't he supposed to fight Ilya Taporia? Yeah, he was supposed to fight Ilya Taporia. That got canceled. He ended up beating Lando Venata, and now we get that Shane Burgos fight. And everything, every time Shane Burgos fights, it's 50K written all over it. And before, um, before the fight with Andre Yule, I could say I was a fan of Charles uh, Jordan, but he's just different now. We literally saw the guy, a guy level up to God tier mode in one fight. Like a lot of guys, they'll like progress and stuff, but we literally saw a dude take one of the most massive leaps in front of our eyes, and I think we're taking it for granted. Like, if Charles Jordan can get a dub over Shane Burgos, his career is just going to skyrocket, because the dude is one of the most exciting guys to watch in the UFC, and I feel like a lot of people don't know him yet, and (laughs) this fight is going to put him on the map, and I'm just so pumped for it to happen, because everything Shane Burgos is in is crazy, and Charles Jordan, he has the, he's the perfect dance partner for Shane Burgos just like Billy Quarantillo was for Shane Burgos. This fight is going to be insane. This main card all around, though, dude, you got Michelle Waterston versus one of my favorite fighters, Amanda Lemos, the hardest-hitting 115-er on planet freaking Earth, who looked so good. Let's not even forget how good she looked against um, Jessica Andrade. Like, Amanda Lemos, like I said after this fight that she had, she was... She was looking fantastic and just got caught. It was one. Of, it's one of those fights where it's don't hang your head after that. You just, you just didn't get lucky there. You just, you got caught. And she was marching forward, looked so good. And Michelle Watterson, ah, good luck with Amanda Lemos, dude. I, I like the karate hottie, but this is going to be a fun fight. And I could not ask for a more fun coma. If there is any woman, low key. Yeah, on the whole UFC roster that is more deserving of like a main event or a co-main spot, it's Amanda Limo. She's legit must-watch TV every single time. I love watching her fight. And then Li Jing Liang versus Muslim Solikov, killer fight. Muslim Solikov, all I have to say on this is, dude, this is the only cat that has taken out Francisco Tornaldo in a while, and that's all you got to say. Francisco Tornaldo is one of the most insane ageless wonders you have ever, ever seen. And then Li Jing Liang. I don't think he's fought since the Hamzat fight, but it's gonna be that's gonna be an absolute cracker for sure. Um, and then Matt Superman Schnell, oh Matt Highway to Schnell versus Sumo Dutch. Sue finally gets a fight. Matt Schnell, I think he lost to Brandon Royvelle's last time. This is going to be an absolute slinger because <laughs> Sumo Dutch the Tibetan Eagle. I've been I've been dying to see his left hand since last year, dude. He can put anybody's lights out, and Matt Schnell, his boxing is so clean. So that's gonna be sick as hell. Punahale versus Doc Illusion Bula. It's gonna be sick. And then not even to mention like Ricky Simone versus Jack Shores on this card. It's gonna be crazy. Bill Algio is a freaking killer versus Herbert Burns. Dustin Jacoby, who is legit, one of these best strikers in the 205 pound division versus Dao Jung, who can put your lights out with one punch. Top to bottom, dude. This thing is absolutely stacked. But I guess a really quick picks. I'm going to go Jessica Penne, Dustin Stoltzfus, Dustin Jacoby, Bill Algio, Ricky Simone, 
Pune Hele. I'm going more Murphy. That's a tough one. I'll, I'll go Laura Murphy on that one. I'm going Charles Jordan upset. I'm going Sumu Darji. I'm going Muslim Solikov. I'm going Amanda Lemos. And then I'm going to go Yair Rodriguez. Those are my final picks. It's going to be sick. Sick card, dude. But the high, the performance of the night, it's got to go. I think it's going to go to Charles Jordan. This is going to be one of the best cards of the year. Thank you guys for listening. I know this wasn't like the most exhilarating one. I had to take a break from UFC 27 after UFC 276, like I said. But I think that we kind of hit on some interesting topics here. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And hopefully I get one in on Saturday, but I don't know. Bye-bye.